Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Welcome, welcome to episode 72 of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. Today's interview episode is a juicy treat for you. I had the pleasure of interviewing my friend and fellow online nutrition coach and registered dietitian, Jenna. Jenna works really hard with her clients to help them create happy, strong, healthy relationships with food. And throughout today's interview, Jenna and I actually realized that we had more in common than we thought we did, which was a heck of a lot to begin with. So I know you're going to learn so much from Jenna's story, the work that she does with her one-on-one coaching clients, and I can't wait for you to learn more from her because I know that she is supporting so much of what we work hard to do here in the Nutrition Coaching with Nicole squad. So get ready to learn from this awesome RD and be sure to let us know what you love. I'm dropping Jenna's IG profile in the show notes below. Hit her up, make sure you snap a screenshot, tag us, and let us know if you love or learn anything from today's podcast episode. Jenna, first of all, (laughs) thanks so much for coming on the show and letting me stop it. No, I'm so honored. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that we could reconnect in this way. Um, And thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure. And (laughs) I have the opportunity to know a little bit about you, but I want everybody tuning in to know who you are and what you do. So give us kind of the nutshell version of you. Yay. Okay. So hi, everybody. My name is Jenna Warner. I am a registered dietitian. And I would say in a nutshell, I think my brand name really does speak to who I am. Um, My brand is Happy, Strong, Healthy. And my whole message is about how to make food fun, how to find food freedom and how to find what's best for you. So happy is first for a reason. Strong is in the middle because I do have a passion for fitness. But as we might talk about today, maybe not. It's been a tumultuous past with fitness as well until I found a space that made me feel my strongest. And that's now a word that I like to use when I describe fitness um, instead of any other descriptor. And healthy because I'm a dietitian and it just, you know, it flows. (laughs) I I work with mainly with women um, who have struggled in the past with trying multiple diets and are just exhausted by that hamster wheel of starting over on Monday and not really knowing the education behind the rules that they're given. And that was actually, it's funny, timing always works out so well. But I had a discovery call today where I was speaking with a a woman who was talking about, you know, all the diets that she had tried in the past and how all of the rules contradicted each other. And we were talking about, you know, how diets 
give us rules and how confusing they can be. And I simply asked her a question, have you ever been educated on what food actually does in your body? And that answer was no. And so I feel like my purpose has become helping people understand food for what it can do, but also what it can feel like in our bodies and helping people find the foods that make them feel their best while also enjoying those foods in that process is my passion. Did I answer your question? You totally answered the question. <laughs> yes. And I think you do an exceptional job of exactly that, sharing this message of, hey, you don't have to be at war with food. You don't have to hate food or fear it or restrict it. Like there is this place where you can actually learn what it gives to your body, enjoy it taste wise and how it leaves you feeling. And you know what? Have this great, healthy, confident relationship with it as well. So in a world where diet culture messaging is very prevalent. I find your content so freaking refreshing, Aww. which is just, it's so nice to be scrolling and be like, ah, yeah, double tap. There she goes again. <laughs> Thank you. And that honestly means so much. And I know like we're in this world where you can get any answer you want at a couple clicks of a phone or a device or whatever it is. And it's crazy how much conflicting information is out there. And so I constantly feel like I'm trying to figure out like more ways to share this message. But I really just believe that the more authentic I can be in showing it, um, the more it hits home. And so you'll always see my messy food on Instagram instead of the pretty plates like I used to post because it's just not how I eat. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Jenna, I know, I once heard, I don't know if you've heard this quote, but we like to go into career fields where we were once super messed up. And that definitely rings true for me. I used to have the worst, unhealthiest relationship with food. And that's why I do what I do now. And I know just based on what I know a little bit about you and your journey, it's very similar. So can you tell us about the steps maybe that brought you here to this happy, healthy, strong relationship with food? Where did you come from? It's really funny you say that because I, so shameless plug for my own podcast. I have a podcast called Drunk Dietitians. And on the episode that was released by the time this is released, it will already be out there, but it was released a couple weeks ago with my mom. We talk about how like I had always said, like I never had a disordered relationship with food or I never really admitted that. And then I'm like going over all of these things that I've tried or I've done or like crazy things that I thought were normal, I think mm -hmm. is the craziest part. And my co-host, um, Sammy said, and you're trying to say that you never had a disordered relationship with food. She just like called it out. And I was like, wow, it was just like this light bulb for me. Um, but the truth of the matter is that I went into nutrition back when I was 18 years old in the college, like welcome center, the guidance counselor, the mentor um, for the college of health and human development at Penn state was like, Jenna, what do you love? Like I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I wanted to be in like the health college. Cause I knew you got to take like the cool extracurriculars if you're in one of those majors. So that was like an easy one for me. Um, and she asked me like, what do you love? And I said, food. <laughs> That's my answer. Always been true. Um, and then she asked me another thing that I loved and I told her people and she's like, I have a career for you. And it was dietitian. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> like, I had no idea. And I remember my father. So like kindly being like, Jen, you, you're not good at science. And I was like, you're right. So what should I do? And we actually ended up combining like 
a business degree with nutrition. But as I started taking those classes, I was like, this is me. But as I'm taking these classes, I'm eating like nothing Monday through Thursday in college and drinking Thursday through Monday and starting over the restriction cycle each time as I'm learning about the power of food and classes. That's a whole other episode. Um, and, you know, out of school, I went right into the clinical side of the field. And so really a long, long-winded story short, my disordered relationship with food was always there, but I never recognized it. So I didn't go into the field knowing that A, I was going to go into private practice or B, that I was going to help people with disordered eating because I didn't admit it to myself yet. But the moment that I did, that's when the game changed. And that's when I got really clear on my ability to help people. And that's really when I went into private practice Um, because it was like, oh, this is not right. These these messages don't align. And it's been a constant education for myself in that process of learning now, you know, what's right and wrong for me and how I can translate that to other people. Wow. So I didn't know that that story, but it's so amazing to hear how much of it resonates because in college, starting my degree, I remember telling people all the time, like, oh, I just eat super healthy. I'm super healthy. You know, they comment on some unhealthy weight loss. But in the meantime, I had no period. I was exhausted, lightheaded. Wait, I didn't know you had no period. I went through a period of time. I actually posted now that I'm in love with TikTok. I posted on TikTok this morning. It's not ready for Instagram yet, but just a little bit more about my story. I mean, my story really picks up after college, after a lot of time working in clinical, when I started to exercise to change my body, air quotes, I'm air quoting like people can see me, Um, but air quotes, that's when the relationship with food and myself really disappeared. And at that time, I didn't get a period on my own for almost three years, mm-hmm. and my hair was falling out, and my skin was really broken out, and I'm sure there was a lot of other things going on, but it was very heavily related to the fact that I was not fueling my body properly and abusing a relationship with fitness. Same, same. Yeah, the turning <laughs> point for me was an OBGYN appointment because I hadn't had my period for three years and the physician wouldn't even examine me. He took one look at me and said, I know exactly what your problem is. And I remember getting so angry on the way home saying, I just eat super healthy. Like I was so convinced because I was so deeply submerged in diet culture. Mm -hmm. Do you find Jenna that clients, women who start working with you, start working with you under the guise of like, but I'm doing this and I'm doing it because I heard that this is good for you. This is healthy for you. Even though their bodies are shouting, like, please stop. This really isn't in your best interest. I literally always tell people because I think nutrition can be so personal or it is so personal, right? There's like a joke, a running joke in my family that for holidays, now we don't talk about politics or nutrition because I don't want to know about Weight Watchers. I don't want to know about what you're not eating and you're not eating. And I don't want anyone else's opinion because the reality is, is that everybody's very connected to their own feelings about it. And I take it all so personally because I'm, that's my life, right? So we don't talk about that at home. But I do find, right? And I do find that now that the women that I, I'm now attracting, I think understand that 
they know it's not about food anymore. And I think this is where your expertise is like, has helped me so much and just shines with all the content you put out there as well. Is just, it's never been about the food. And I think there's a quote or like a, there's something I've seen on, on a social media platform that was like a picture. If you're staring at a picture of yourself back in the day and wondering why you didn't love yourself then, like it's never been about the weight and it's never been about your weight and it's never been about the actual food or nutrition. It's about the relationship with self. And I think that now, although I have a lot of the nutrition knowledge and I'm ready to share it, it comes out more as, you know, helping people understand that emotions and food are allowed. And if we could make that more, what's the right word? Um, neutral, right? Like neutralized and allowed and unconditional and just accepted it's just such a different thing. So I do think people come to me with a lot of opinions and I think they come to me with a lot of as what has worked air quotes for them in the past. But my question always comes back to if it worked, why are we starting over again? Mm -hmm. And that's always a question where again, it can be very personal and it could have worked for that time, but maybe you found me now or you're asking for help now because that same thing isn't working again and you want something that will work forever. And that's what I try and deliver. I don't promise anything, but I try. <laughs> You've got to put the work in, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I hear that. And I think it's so, um, I love the question that you asked. Why are we starting over again if it worked? Because the one thing I like to ask is, how did that work for you? When someone says, oh, I, carbs don't, I don't do carbs. Or the only thing that works for me is calorie counting. Okay, where did that get you? Like, what was the end point? Let's maybe just reassess. Because I think you're right. We just become so closely connected to, we, we kind of put our identity in these labels, in the diets that we try. And it's so damaging. It's crazy. I mean, there was a statistic. I'm sure it was probably like somebody made it up and just posted it and I thought it was real. But it's like a statistic about how like a huge percentage of people have their diet like in their bio on social media, like keto warrior or whatever. Like it's just, it's crazy. But I also understand because my sickness, we'll just call it, was really connected to fitness. And it was connected to the community that was surrounding that space. And as I know that that can be very healthy for people, it wasn't for me. I didn't allow it to stay in a healthy place, right? And I think that that's the same thing or it can be very much correlated or paralleled to different air quotes diets where at first they, you go into it thinking like, I'm going to find a group of people to help support my goals. And then it's, well, what is that person doing? What did they cut out? What aren't they eating? And then it's this competition and it becomes like overbearing. Does that make sense? It does. And I think kind of what you're like hitting around is maybe this idea of too much of a good thing. Like exercise mm. is great and eating healthy, healthy, right? <laughs> and finding a community of people who can challenge you with some healthy competition. Great. But we can abuse every single one of those things as evidenced by your and my journey. And of course, many of the women that we work with, there is such Perfect. a thing as taking something that's beautiful and the motivation behind it then becomes like, I need this, this dictates my worth or my value. And then it becomes this really, really detrimental and unhealthy thing. 
Beautifully said. <laughs> Jenna, I want to hit on something that I like personally am obsessed with about your messaging, and that is this lack of numbers. So you know I'm anti-calorie counting, been there, done that. I don't think we need to be that obsessed or that compulsive when it comes to our relationship with food. Believe that it can be a helpful short-term tool for sure. But the one thing that I love about the work you do is you don't even really talk much about macros, if I'm correct. Tell me where this new messaging comes from. So it's funny, you know, first of all, thank you. But I've never been, I've never macro counted myself. um, And I've never been someone that ever gave macros to my clients because to me, I think even in my darkest moments and days, for me personally, I could never do something like that. Or actually, I should say even in my like healthiest days, I could never do something like counting macros without going too far Mm -hmm. and making it obsessive or eating because it told me to or not eating because it told me to or manipulating my day so that I could fit in that wine. It just, in my work and what I've found is that it has had a disruption in that trust factor. And so with self and body, and I like to talk about like our inner body and our outer body sometimes. And like, sometimes it gets weird in conversation, but it's like little Jen on the inside and Jen on the outside, uh, having a conversation about trust and consistency. And, you know, it's been, I firmly believe that we know what we need. We just need the education behind why. So I don't need to know that I have 150 grams of protein to spend, air quotes, in a day. I just need to know kind of how much I should have at each meal so that I can get into this consistent flow. And I like to tell clients all the time that our meals should be very much the same size all day long. Like whether you have three meals or four meals or whatever you eat, they should be the same size because that's the amount of food your body is craving and wanting at one time during the day. It knows what to take. It knows what to use. It knows what to get rid of. And it knows when to get hungry again once you kind of create that rhythm. And when you find that sweet spot, whether it's a cup of carbs and this amount of protein and tons of vegetables, or it's less carbs and more, whatever your combo is, you start to become comfortable with that. And replicating that then becomes fun. For me and the people that I specifically work with, there's a very fine line between awareness and obsession. And I think that I've heard the term passed around like macro awareness. And I respect that because it's important in the education piece. But I believe that in my work, it's helping to dissociate numbers from food and really focus on the feelings. And I think that from what I've done, I will share with people like based on rec calculations, this is the amount of protein that we want in the day. But when I really get into details about talking about that with people, we just create this state of confusion where the hyper focus is then on numbers. And my goal is to not do that. So I put it on there with a disclaimer that says, this is education, educational purposes. We will not be discussing this number again. This is just to give you background as to how these recipes are formulated and what we will be talking about as far as how hungry you were after finishing this meal versus how full you were after finishing this meal and really letting the client be in the driver's seat for that. Because at the end of the day, bringing like a food scale to a restaurant is just not a life I want for these, the, the women that I work with. 
Amen. Yeah, I'm nodding like crazy. Nobody can see me. But yes, no food scale. And I love what you said about awareness versus obsession because I, I walk that line as well. I want you to know that peanut butter is not a great source of protein, for example, but I don't want you to be freaking out about the fact that you still have 10 grams of protein left in the day and you're not hungry and what are you supposed to do about it? Right. And I think that's what I've seen from the numbers is take someone who has a history of calorie counting, they see that red number because they're over by five calories and immediately their brain goes, oh no, I've messed up. Just the whole day is a wash. Like now what do I do? Or I have 200 calories left. Let me crack out that pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream when it wasn't even what I wanted. I just felt like I was given permission to eat whatever. A hundred percent. And I also just want to make the disclaimer that I 100% percent respect the works of people that are using these tools to educate people. Um, It's just never aligned with my message and with what I was trying, even again, even in my darker moments, um, it was never aligned with my message and what I was trying to help connect. And I think that as I actually, I've never shared this before. So I'm going to share this now. I just signed up to take Evelyn Triboli's um, intuitive eating course this summer. So I'm in like a mini group, eight people, really tight group of people. And we're going to dive deep into the intuitive eating space. And it's funny because part of what I've always done has included some of the principles of intuitive eating without actually knowing what they are or what they were. And now that I've really read that data and those studies and that messaging, it's really hard to unlearn it and to unhear some of the statistics about dieting and intentional weight loss versus um, listening to your body and reconnecting with your body. And with that, it's really helped me become clearer on how I want to share my message and bringing back the fact that like, it's okay to love food and it's okay that the meal that you just ate tasted amazing. And it's okay that, you know, to have, there's so many ways I could say that, but at the end of the day, diet culture has taught us that if it tastes good, it wasn't good for us. And if we don't crave something after eating, then we ate too much. And there's no sad, they, it diminishes the satisfaction factor that is just so important. And for my own personal journey, finding that satisfaction has been the key to my own longevity and health. I just finished like this massive bowl of um, whatever you would call it that I just ate before this. I had like four seconds to throw a bunch of things together in a bowl. And I feel satisfied right now. Like there was fruit in there and bean pasta and lettuce and some sort of protein and all sorts of vegetables. And like, it was satisfying because all the components are there. And I just remember when I was trying to manipulate my body back in the day, I remember specifically working in the corporate office that I worked for and sitting outside, there was like one experience. I remember eating out of my 21 day fix containers and finishing my meal and being starving or just like dying for some sort of ice cream or something because I had no carbs in it and I had like a pea amount of peanut butter and it was just like in that moment like what the heck am I doing like this isn't enjoyable I tell people to enjoy their food like this isn't enjoyable (laughs) it was that like light bulb moment of what this is there's got to be another way (laughs) 
there's a middle ground, right? I can <laughs> give to my body and be nourishing, but it can also taste freaking fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking of, I think you just shared this on like an Instagram story or maybe it was a TikTok or something, but I just had a coaching conversation this morning and my client was like, well, I had pork barbecue and that messes everything up, right? Because pork barbecue is bad. If I would have had like a pork chop or, a, you know, plain it would have been okay and I was like who told you that like what, what story where's that coming from and I think you share a lot about ketchup, ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> and that stemmed from a client of mine was at Whole Foods and she sent me a message on the platform that I use and she sent me a picture of I think it I won't name bash the brand but a like organic air quotes like natural ketchup and she was like is this one better than Heinz and I was like no <laughs> she's like what do you mean there's no sugar in it there's this and I was like you're gonna dump half the bottle on whatever you're putting on it to make up for the flavor that's not in there like do you like Heinz and she was like yeah but like that's not good for me and I was like one tablespoon of a two tablespoons of it's not gonna kill you and when we think about it, at the end of the day like I'm sure your clients and mine are so similar their added sugar in their diet is very minimal because at the end of the day we're choosing really highly nourishing foods, maybe foods that have natural sugar in them. And of course, the added sugars from whatever is on your desired need for that day. But at the end of the day, it's not an astronomical amount. It's just not. I'm, I'm positive of that. And a little bit of ketchup that like brings happiness to your life or barbecue sauce that brings happiness to your life that you're going to use literally half the amount of because it satisfies you versus dumping a half a box of the sugar-free whatever onto something like come on <laughs> but that I get that that's a hard concept and I it took me a long time to get there good versus bad right that's what diet culture teaches us and it reminds me of so I did my dietetic internship with precision nutrition and they have a saying that I love and that is you're mowing your lawn while your house is on fire so you're over here like tidying up the lawn dealing with the minutia of how many grams of sugar are in a tablespoon or two of ketchup meanwhile your diet is blowing up because you I love that things later you know who knows what it's just it's an expression that's like, oh my gosh, I am missing the big picture. Here. Wait, I love that so much better. I always tell people like we're playing with pennies at this point. Like that's pennies. Like don't you want to go for like the big dollars? <laughs> but I like that one makes so much more sense to me. I like the pennies. I've heard going <laughs> over $100 bills to get to nickels. Or picking up like that. <laughs> so Jenna, I want to hit on this because you mentioned earlier that you help your clientele to like learn how to love food and make it fun. And I think you're great at this. You have a lot of like food tutorials and you're always showing like, here's what I've thrown together and it's not anything fancy or special, but it still tastes delicious and it's satisfying. How do you help your clients make that transition from, oh, I have to spend time in the kitchen to I get to do this and I get to make it taste great? How Walk us through that process as much as you can, obviously. Such a good question. And honestly, I think that it's, it's different for every person. And it's funny because some of my clients that I work with that in their check or their application form says that they hate to cook. Some of them now are like my biggest chefs and they're the ones that cook the most because they start to actually forget about the fearful process of cooking and instead focus on like, wow, I just made that and it was delicious. And I think that's like a 
it's a mental block that a lot of us have that a healthy cooking tastes bad and b i can't cook what i love so i just won't cook and so i see that a lot with the people that i start to work with and the first step is really asking people to make what do you love what is a non-negotiable food for you what are your favorite flavors like really talking through what are the things that you absolutely love and the first step in my process with working with a new client is something i like to call awareness week and i just watch what they eat because we use pictures and I just watch what they eat during a whole week and I'll make sure that some of their favorite foods are like in the next week and forward and forward and forward and we start to talk about how we don't get bored of that food by making it taste different by adding in a new sauce or adding in a new flavor combination or cooking it in a different way and really starting to help people understand that the foods they love don't need to go anywhere. And I think the issue with cooking and, you know, finding foods to be boring is what, and I'm not knocking on any meal prep companies, but when we think about meal prep, when we think about healthy foods, we think of black containers that have ground chicken, steamed broccoli, and like maybe like a little hot sauce on it. <laughs> and it's like pretty depressing. And so when I start to give some of my clients like these recipes that have all of these flavors and cheeses and oils and sauces and all of this stuff in it it's like i can eat these foods and then it becomes like let's now change these and play around with them and find the combinations that work best for you and then continue to reinvent the wheel with that or not reinvent the wheel and i always try and tell my clients that you should begin with some sort of prep of foods that you can use multiple ways instead of prepping meals prep items and so prep three items from each category that you can manipulate to taste completely different throughout the entire week so like let's say on sunday is your day and you make a box of bean pasta you make you microwave some brown rice because who's cooking rice these days? Um, you take a rotisserie chicken and you shred it and you put it in a container. You air fry some vegetables and maybe you pre chop some other vegetables. Now, write out three different combinations of how you can put those foods together and now write out six different sauces that you could put on those foods and like two different add ins that you could mix into it. And now we have like seven different probably more different meal combinations. So for example, with that combo, I always use this one is like, if you have bean pasta and you made, or you took rotisserie chicken, you shredded it. You have the chicken ready to go. You have the pasta ready to go. And you have a bag of, um, of lettuce, of spinach, sorry. You put those three things together, put a red sauce on it, and now we have a really quick and easy dish that with a typical pasta dish, right? The next day, maybe for lunch, you take that spinach, you don't wilt it, you put it in the bowl first, then you put the cold pasta on it, and you put the chicken on top of that, you add maybe some feta cheese and some tomatoes, and you put a salad dressing on it, and it's completely different, but you didn't cook anything. And it's getting into like that mind state of how do I do, how do I spend my time on one day to save my time throughout the week? Like me today for lunch, if I didn't have that pasta pre-cooked, I'm not really sure how I would be speaking right now because I would have been hangry because I wouldn't have had anything to eat. It would have taken me the entire five minutes that I had to find something to put together. And then I wouldn't be eating while I was talking to you right now because I probably wouldn't be able to not. <laughs> Girl, same. I work from home. I don't want to cook all the time. Like that's 
even though I could find the time, I don't want to. And that's exactly how I do my food prep. I was just talking with a client about this last week and she was like, I'm so frustrated by my food prep. We figured out she was trying to come up with some extravagant recipes and make it beautiful and last all week long. And I was like, can I just, can I just present a, maybe another option to <laughs> two or three proteins and two or three veggies and two or three carbs and two or three fats? And she was like, oh my gosh, that's so easy. So easy. And it's mind blowing because then you don't get bored of it. I was talking to someone the other day about how right before I got married, I ate like nothing but hard boiled egg whites. And like, I could never eat a hard boiled egg white ever again in my entire life because I like beat it to death. And now it's really about, not that I would ever eat those again, but now for me, it's really about helping people understand that consistency doesn't mean eating the same thing every day and hating it. Um, and I think that that's a very differing concept to what the diets out there tell you, like two shakes, one meal, and you get a fueling in between or whatever it is that they say. Um, and it's very difficult to help people see that eating more can actually lead to the changes that they're looking for. And it's a difficult concept. It's a difficult prospect that we're up against. Jenna, speaking of those changes that they're looking for, do you find that when people start to learn how great they can feel by creating a relationship with food that's life-giving as opposed to restricting and deprivation-based that the number on the scale becomes less important because of how they feel now like they maybe acknowledge that their body is operating healthier and happier and so that number that they thought meant everything doesn't a hundred percent and honestly it's funny that you say that because i have maybe three clients right now and three in the past like six or seven months that actually use the scale. Like I do not use the scale in my practice because I find that the scale dictates how our days go and the scale dictates our success like way too much. And so now if a client is comfortable and wants to use images of their body, we will do that and we'll track that progress. But even so now there's so many other ways to track air quote success that it's just not necessary. And so it's funny because there's a theory that actually I got an email about it this morning. I want to read the article, but about the set point theory, right? About how your body does have this safe space that it wants to go. And there's a lot of people that I believe that start working either with me or with anybody that they are above their set point by starving themselves, right? And by treating themselves without being in that fed state for so long that it's like a rebellion happens like within our body, right? And when they do start eating, your body finds its way into this space where it feels the most comfortable and it will stay there. And you can manipulate body composition by changing up your exercising. Like that's totally different. But for the most part, I wouldn't even dare to say that 99% of the clients that I graduate are not graduating at their goal air quotes goal weight that they came into the program intending to to find um maybe they don't know it because they haven't weighed themselves but it's really never like a, oh you're there so you're good now <laughs> which is when I started my practice very different like it was very different thank goodness we learn along the way right oh my god it's so crazy I am such a different dietitian now and it's funny because I say, <laughs> I said in the past that like I apologize to the people that I worked with when I wasn't my best. And at the end of the day, I've spoken to some of them and they're like, we didn't know, you know, like we didn't know that 
you were doing that because that's not what you were telling us. And it's funny that now I feel like I've become so authentic practicing what I preach that the foods that I'm recommending to my clients or the combinations are the ones that I'm, I'm eating. Like I'm showing them that. And it's helped me really find the best group of people to work with. I find the same thing, Jenna, with my clientele is a lot of people come in from diet culture and the very first thing on their intake questionnaire is, hey, you learned a lot of stuff and most of that stuff is really unhelpful. So are you open to unlearning and unsubscribing from it? And everybody says like, hell yes, I know it's not working. I'm ready. But then as we progress, that number still means a lot or maybe they feel like they need a certain size or a certain, you know, navel metric or something like that. And then I find that as we proceed through their journey, it's more about how they feel and quality of life. And those things mean so much less because they realize, oh, well, the, the group of people that told me that number was important to begin with wasn't actually helping me. Mm-hmm. They were harming me. So here's what's really important. You know, my health markers are improving. I'm happier around my kids. I feel more confident setting an example for them. I just feel better as a person living in this body, you know? So I, I think that's so interesting. And I ask because, and this is kind of my personal curiosity with yeah. intuitive eating, they have a weight loss is not the focus, right? Like we don't go into intuitive eating with the goal of losing weight. What happens, happens. And you're coming from a having helped people to intentionally lose weight before where you've kind of settled like somewhere in the middle. Tell me what that process has been like for you. It's been interesting. And, you know, again, I'm not intuitive eating certified yet, but that is my goal. It is a personal goal of mine because As I reflect back, intentional people that I've helped lose weight intentionally, where that was the only focus, I don't know how many of them have actually kept it off in a happy, healthy, and safe way and strong way. Um, And looking at it now, when you can help somebody improve their behaviors, you can help someone improve the relationship with what they see in the mirror. You can help them understand that health is so much greater than their appearance and also understand that, you know, when I was my smallest air quotes and so shredded that like I had no fat on me, I was probably the least dare to say the least healthy I've ever been in my life and hope to ever be in my life. And with that said, no amount of dieting can help improve your relationship with yourself. And so After, you know, watching my own body change, watching my period come back, watching a diagnosis diagnosis of PCOS be reversed because I started eating right and taking care of myself, putting fat back into my diet that wasn't just like PB2, you know, (laughs) having these foods in the right portions and really connecting this concept of you should wake up in the morning feeling just as good as you go to sleep at night. Instead of, I see so many posts like, by dinner time, I'm so bloated. And you're right. There's some ounces of bloating that's normal. It's a process of digesting the food that we eat. But there's like huge discrepancies for a lot of people that I've worked with that say like, I only take pictures of myself in the morning. Well, that's not fair. Is that kind of how you're going to live your life? What about on your wedding day? Like God willing, right? Like you're not, you have to take your pictures in the morning. Like that's just no way to live, right? And so as I've really started to, Dig into the research and hear that 95% of people that lose weight intentionally gain it back within two to five years, I believe it is, and then try and do it again and then again, and then they feel like a failure and it's unsuccessful. It's 
the type of information that you can't unread and <laughs> you can't unlearn. And the work speaks to me and it feels, it just feels like home. And I think that when I think about my path and my career, the science of nutrition has always been a passion of mine. Like I loved, loved giving people in the hospital, like the recommendation or long-term care, I should say, of Ensure, which is disgusting, but it's fine. And like watching their lab values come back after they've added more nutrients into their diet and like being able to track and follow that was amazing to see. It wasn't where I was meant to be, but it was amazing to watch the power of actual nutrition and then to correlate and combine that plus like allowing someone to sit at a, a family dinner and eat the same meals as their family and not feel shitty about themselves afterwards. Sorry, I feel like that's an adjective. Um, about themselves afterwards. Like, that's a gift that I want to give more people. And so it's very hard. And I think that when you scroll on social media, you see a lot of like, well, I'm this and I'm that. And I haven't really declared like what I am, but I think it's very clear what my message is now. But at the end of the day, I see both sides. I'm not, I don't fault anybody for any of their message, but I find it very difficult to see how, you know, the message of intentional weight loss being the only focus is the same thing as caring for ourselves, right? And I find that difficult. And that's where I am in like that middle ground right now. So I'm exploring that. And what my mentor in this process has said to me is like, be curious about what you're feeling. Just like we ask our clients to be curious about if you ate more ice cream than you needed and you feel yucky afterwards, like what does yucky mean? Instead of assigning that as like an ew, I feel gross. Like, but why? Like lean into it. Don't run away from it. And it's the same thing. It's like, when I read something that gives me that like yucky feeling and I'm like, instead of saying like, oh, I'm just going to scroll past it, like read it again. What part of that don't you connect to anymore? And like really try and explore that feeling. And that's where I am. <laughs> it's a lot of exploring right now. It's been really a lot of um, just being honest with myself about emotions that come up for me when I even see something on TV. I think it really started with like the Lizzo, Jillian Michaels thing. I really went crazy on that one. <laughs> like crazy. That sparked it for me. <laughs> I honestly think though, being that authentic and that like in alignment basically with like your practice and what you believe is truly going to help your clients. I think that people can see that people can feel that. So they're like, Oh my gosh, I totally want to feel great in my body too. And maybe that number doesn't mean as much to me as I once thought it did. So, you know, the clients that are meant to learn from you and be kind of tutored under you will find you. Oh, so, you. And again, like everybody, I respect our practice. I respect our field. I respect all the work that we're all doing. And I believe that everyone's allowed to have a different method to get their people there. And at the end of the day, all we're all doing is trying to help this world and the people that find us to find their happiness. And that looks different on everybody. For example, the post that I posted today, somebody, I called out a specific diet and somebody wrote back that that diet changed their life. And whereas I don't agree with it at all and I don't see it, that's okay. I don't have to. It didn't change my life. And she, that client is not my ideal client. And if she found happiness and peace and an ability to have a relationship with food that literally makes her so happy. That's all that I care about. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. This world is, 
it turns because we all have different emotions and feelings and opinions and that's okay. So true. Girl, one of the most helpful lessons I've ever learned, like a life lesson, is that I'm not for everybody. So <laughs> yeah. resonate with my message. I'm going to get you that shirt. Have you seen that shirt? Oh, I need it though. <laughs> so I said to me like the other day, I got to find it for you. <laughs> I, it's something I need to continually remind myself of because I think so often we're just we're dying for acceptance. Like I, maybe this will be the thing that I just fit into and this will be the one right way. And, you know, I think you and I have both realized there is no one right way. There's a right way for you and you've got to find it and you've got to run hard after it. But recognizing that the way that you eat doesn't need to be the way somebody else eats. And we all have to find our own, I hate to use the word ready because I think ready is a lie, but you have to be willing to kind of like what isn't working for you be willing to change it and then find what is. And I think obviously that's what you're helping your clients to do. And what I hope I'm helping mine to do is well. I know you are. You taught me so much. So for all the listeners, Nicole taught something at a recent, I guess kind of recent, I feel like all the days are like one day at this point, but at a recent mentorship, um, meeting and it really stuck with me and I've used it with all of my clients since then and so you guys are all in amazing hands because I know that hearing that message one-on-one would have blowed my mind because in a group of however many people it was I was like what is this (laughs) like what's she saying oh my god why didn't I ever use this before um so it was amazing and you bring all of the pieces of health together Thank you. You're so sweet for that little shout out. (laughs) Shout outs. Jenna, you shared so much today and I really appreciate you sharing kind of where you're at in your personal journey and how you're helping your clients in their personal journeys. And I know that between you and I, people need more of this kind of content as they're scrolling their social media (laughs) feeds. So tell people where can they find you and learn more from you? Well, first of all, thank you for having me and giving me a platform to share this. That's the most valuable thing. And I just appreciate you so much. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at happystronghealthy.rd. My website is happystronghealthyrd.com. And my podcast is Drunk Dietitians. It's not mine on my own. Um, It's myself and my co-host, Sammy Previtt. And it is an intuitive eating-based um, podcast. So all the guests and the messages on there are intuitive eating aligned. So if you are curious about that work, um, my co-host is certified and she is, I believe, I don't want to get in her in trouble. Um, and she's very well spoken on the principles of intuitive eating and what it is all about. Nice. I'm going to drop those uh, links in the show notes so people can quickly find you. But Jenna, thank you so much. I really appreciate your messaging and everything that you're helping all of us to achieve, all of those who are listening as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.